This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Wongal people and the Yagara Turrbal peoples. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Strap in. Buckle up. It's story time, folks. This is Australiana Rama. Morning. This episode contains swear words and a man named Toadfish. Hey, Toady. Enjoy. <laughs> all right, Maddie. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, good. Are you, you you're staying dry. Yeah, for now. Yep. For now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, we did had to have to delay um, recording last week because. As we all know, Brisbane was flooding and now, of course, that's headed into um, northern New South Wales. But yes, I was on evacuation standby, so I was a bit busy, let's just say. Yeah, some of our overseas listeners may not be fully aware. Oh, true. Um, But yeah, it's been pretty cooked, especially in Queensland and now in northern New South Wales. A lot of flooding. Um, Yeah, record-breaking flooding. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so we were fortunate that the Brisbane River itself wasn't as bad as 2011, but unfortunately, um, the flood overall has been worse. So, yeah, stressful time, but I am totally okay and very, very lucky to be okay. So it's more about helping others at this stage. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's nice to be back. Yes. And I'm excited to do something not flood related, have mm-hmm. a bit of fun, have a little laugh, <laughs> you know, learn about a television enterprise. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, today we will be talking about neighbours. Yes. Not, not the concept of like living next door <laughs> to people, but the show Neighbours. Yeah. The first thing I will say is that I had never actually watched Neighbours. Mm-hmm until doing my research for this. I have now watched three episodes. So you've come in with a fresh perspective. You are, yes. you know, the Trojan horse into this world for us today. Mm. Yeah, fresh baby experiencing <laughs> it for the first time. Amazing. Okay, well, we're talking about Neighbours because it is coming to an end. It will be yeah. wrapping up in June after 37 long years on the air. Which is pretty wild because this is something that has extended beyond your or my lifetime. Like we have never lived in a world where Neighbours has also not been living. Yeah, Neighbours have always become good friends in all of our lives. Ramsey Street is an institution. Mm, Truly. So um, for those who maybe are a fresh baby, new to the world, don't know about Neighbours, it is a soap opera. And it is set on Ramsey Street. It follows, you know, the families that live there. Some who own their homes, some who don't. Either way, it's a comfortable cul-de-sac in the suburbs. But so it's it's produced by Fremantle Media now. um, And it is so it has been so popular in the UK that it's been financed by Channel 5 since 2008. And it's because they've dropped it and Fremantle can't find a new UK partner, that it's all over. It's in the bin. 
It's one of our primary exports, you know, wool, iron ore, education and neighbours. And home and away. Yeah. <laughs> also the other, in the, the other rival soap opera. The other soap. And I mean, they, in the UK, there's still 1.5 million viewers a day for Neighbours. Is that more than here? Oh, yeah. It's not popular here. No. It hasn't been for like a decade. Yeah. Because it hasn't been on regular Channel 10. It's been on like, it used to be 11, but now it's like 10 peach for some reason. Do mm-hmm. you know that? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yes, so there has been nearly 9,000 episodes. That is so many. Today I watched episode 8,797, I believe, which is the most recent one. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know that one. (laughs) Just to get up to date. Yeah, so for over a decade, it has not been popular here, really, but it is like a training ground for actors and crew and it's, you know, it's a been a staple of the the tv landscape yeah i have yeah. friends and colleagues who have worked on neighbors or currently work on neighbors and home and away um, yeah it is me too a legitimate income stream for lots of mm. people and later on we are gonna hear from one of those people with maddie our reporter in the field did go True. speak to a former um, Neighbours star. Yes, yes. We spoke to Todd McDonald, um, and you'll hear all about it very soon. But it's a delightful yeah. interview, so stay tuned for that. Mm. <laughs> we'll pop that in soon. All right. So Neighbours is created by a dude called Reg, <clears throat> Reg Watson. He'd created Crossroads, which has been described as Britain's first true soap. Um, and so he ran that for 10 years and then came back to Australia to be the head of drama at Reg Grundy Productions. One day we'll talk about Reg Grundy. Not wow. today. Like he's, it's, it's a man whose name is rhyming slang. Yeah. Undies. Reg Grundy's. Grundy's. Amazing. Wild. Um, but that eventually became Fremantle Media. And so Reg Watson, the other... Reg, not not Reg Grundy. So hang on, um, there also, are two Reges. There are two Reges. Oh yeah. my god, I thought this was just one bloke making up names. No, Reg, <laughs> Reg who um, created Neighbours worked for Reg Grundy Productions. Wow, I don't Reg know. One and Reg Two. <laughs> yes, he was the head of drama. Were all the other employees named Reg? Cannot confirm or deny because we'll I, I don't know. <laughs> There's chances are there could have been at least another. Um, but other shows that he'd made before Neighbours were Prisoner, The Young Doctors and Sons and Daughters. Mm-hmm. And Sons and Daughters was kind of the one that mostly led towards Neighbours and also from Reg watching like Coronation Street, the oh. UK sort mm-hmm. of soap. So it's like, what if we made one sort of like that? But like Sons and Daughters was a big success, but with pretty outlandish plots and hilariously, I think, for Neighbours, the idea was that it would be more realistic. Yes. Lol. A realism, Stanislavski um, um, yeah. style mm, piece. Very realistic. And also to have young people engaging with older people. Well, that's, and that's nice. Where, like, the, yeah. And it was also always designed to appeal to the UK. Um, and the characters are, I mean, in inverted commas, typical Australians. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, typical Australians means predominantly white people living in comfortable homes in a suburban cul-de-sac. Mm-hmm. In the early days, it was exclusively white people. They don't all own their homes. Um, but that it's, you know, it's, do. yeah. And because it's, it's set in like Ramsey Street. And Ramsey Street is like... <laughs> 
who's one of the original like families, the characters. There's like the Ramses and the Robinsons and someone else or whatever. And Ramsey Street is named after the Ramsey's grandfather. Wow, I did not know this law. That's the, yeah. So obviously he's developed the street. They own their home, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is set in Melbourne, but the scripts didn't mention that until 1994 because of the weird city rivalry. Like as if Sydney and Melbourne are the only two places in Australia and like people in Sydney couldn't possibly watch something in Melbourne, set in Melbourne. But like they didn't just pull that out of nowhere because when it was launched in 1985, it was on Channel 7 and they axed it because Sydney viewership was so low for like the Melbourne produced Wow, production. so there was a Melbourne vibe that they were just not here for. Yeah, so it's not based in nothing, but it is ridiculous, especially oh, because gosh. there are other places in Australia and it is just set in like just the most boring looking cul-de-sac. Like it could be anywhere, <laughs> like it's not distinctive. Yeah, it could be Ipswich for all we know. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like that was half the point, like it's just meant to be suburbia. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so Channel 7 axed it and they destroyed the sets. So, like, no one else could use them, which is interesting. Wow. But, like, Channel 10 picked it up anyway and just, like, remade the sets. Not environmentally friendly at all. Classic no. 70s or 80s. When Absolutely. Was this? 80s, 80, 80s, 85. Yeah, I was like, hang on, 70s is too old. Classic yeah. 85 being, like, very petty. Shuck it out, get over it. No one else can have it. <laughs> Um, but then Channel 10 picked it up from 1986. God bless. Rebuilt it. And one of the things that they did was like adding more young people, mm-hmm. um, including in 1986, Kylie Minogue as a wee baby. Oh, our queen. Happy Mardi Gras, Kylie Minogue. Mm-hmm. And it became huge. And so this will lead to the three episodes that I have watched. So I watched the very first one. Um. And wow. I was surprised because it like it opens with like a dream sequence. It's like this oh. teenage boy having a nightmare about someone like drowning. So we're playing with trapped form. in a car. We're experimenting with magical realism and Australian Gothic conventions. <laughs> yeah, and because it come it comes back later on in the episode because like his older brother or something is doing like like high diving, like fancy diving, whatever that's called. Do you think that that maybe have that may have been the thing that put off? Uh, viewership in Sydney rather than the Melbourne vibe the fact that they were like let's start with a dream sequence (laughs) yeah it was odd um and you know he resolved his fear that his older brother would I guess die from drowning um but then the other things that were happening is two other people Des and someone else are preparing for their wedding great so there's like a bucks night and then there's you know the bride just with her one friend who's just like oh I used to date Des and she's like, why didn't, why didn't you love him? And then that she obviously spirals, decides to leave him. So that's the whole plot in the first episode. There's a stripper. Naturally. It's a whole thing. Um, but it was, yeah, there was a lot of drama. And I was like, oh, okay. It's not what I thought it would be. It was more dramatic. Um, there's a lot of weddings that seem to be very dramatic in oh, Neighbours. Weddings are a staple of the Neighbours franchise. And something heinous always happens. They're never smooth. Someone always dies on the way to the wedding or there's a storm or they have to move venues or someone's mm. like, no, I'm actually gay for three episodes. And then they change their mind or 
um, I remember watching an episode where someone, he was in a wheelchair because of an accident. And so his partner turned into a lesbian for three episodes. And then she was like, oh, no, wait, I'm not a lesbian. I'm just ableist. But then the guy was (laughs) saved from being in his wheelchair because um, a boy was drowning in a pool and he like jumped into the pool and suddenly his legs worked because his desire to save this boy. And then of course the not lesbian was like, oh my God, I'm straight again and I love you. Which there are so many problems in that plot. This is the one plot line I remember for my six months of watching Neighbours in grade six when it was all the rage and we all came and spoke about it and debriefed every lunchtime. And that was my only interaction with neighbors. So there you go. Their wedding mm. was not smooth. Let's just say. I would say the one exception to the wedding chaos would be the wedding of Scott and Charlene, mm-hmm. um, which is the other episode that I watched. Um, Charlene being our girl Kylie. Yeah. Um, this is a famous and, one, isn't it? This is like yes. a really well known. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Scott being Jason Donovan. Mm-hmm. Um Almost 20 million people in the UK watched that episode when it aired. Isn't that the the whole of London? (laughs) I mean, it's the whole of here. It's the whole of Australia at the time. Or maybe more. Now, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and so their wedding goes smoothly. She's got all her baby's breath in her hair, which Mm -hmm. I think its sales like skyrocketed. Um, it was an event. Like there's mullets. Guy Pierce is in it as well. I forgot that he – and he's good. Like watching the old episodes, I mean, it's the same, It's interesting to see like the young people who would become like stars. It's like, oh, no, that he actually has like a really natural he, – he's easy to watch. He looks, he's a real person. He's a good actor. Yeah. Kylie's great too. Well, she's good at everything she does. That's true. And Jason Donovan, just the mullet, mullet to, to the heavens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I watched that and it feels like half the episode was just like, you know, Vaseline lens close-ups of everyone at the ceremony. It was Beautiful. bizarre. But the then Doris you go Day to the, lens. Yeah. You go to the reception and then there's someone, there's talking about some scandalous legal thing that's been settled out of court and it's just, so those things are dropped in. It's just like, mm-hmm. oh, what's going on there? But yeah, so that was hugely popular um and it kept going strong like through the 80s and 90s um and home and away i think starts at like 1992 so that's Uh the rival soap filmed like in sydney um and by the 2000s home and away had really nicked quite a a chunk of the viewership yeah and And home and away is on channel seven which was the the channel that dropped neighbors because it was too quote unquote melbourne and so they Mm. made a sydney beachside version yes. called home and away being they like did. oh well we know what will get sydney to come along and watch this mm. the ocean <laughs> yeah and one was on at six thirty, and one was on at seven but because of how the ad breaks line up you couldn't really watch both because you'd have to miss the start of one or the end of the other uh, and the plot is hard to follow so that's just critical yeah you know and i mean i'm sure there were some people but people were kind of one or the other and like i didn't watch Neighbours, partly because we didn't get good Channel 10 reception. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think I didn't seek it out at my friend's house or anything. And, like, we didn't – I didn't have neighbours growing yeah. up, you know? Like, there was no one <laughs> over the fence. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think I felt like I was missing out. 
yeah as country kids like it was fascinating i was like wow this you know like, mm, <laughs> i've never lived this? in a cul-de-sac in my life mm-hmm. um i was a weird rainforest kid so my neighbors were all the bats and snakes and I think when I was little, like, I remember Grandma and Auntie Glennis went through a phase of, like, they really watched Home and Away. Mm-hmm. That's when they were all living on the Sunshine Coast. Well, there you go. So that, that made sense. Um, so I don't have much experience with. Yeah. No, my family were very anti all of these shows. You know, it was like the devil's shows. But I had a little TV in my room where I watched Neighbours, like I said, for my rebellious six months. Um and I learned a lot about the world in that time. <laughs> Formative years. <laughs> oh, and I realised, I, I said I've watched three episodes. I actually watched four, but I immediately erased it. I, I picked a random one from 2005. Um, oh, that would have been in my time. There we go. Well, Paul was chased off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? No. I think it seems like there was... I buy some, it, though. It was being maybe there's some dodgy deal something's happening anyway he was chased off a cliff um and because i know that that actor is still on the show now so i assume he recovered yeah there are a few that come back to life Mm. um so they very very die like one was buried underground and still came back to life i'm pretty sure that was wild um yeah but you know the human condition can be pushed to multiple boundaries and neighbors Mm. is willing to go there yeah, no, the one I watched today, like someone's being held at gunpoint, um, a teenage girl is being accused of lighting fires in like bins and oh, letterboxes, although classic. she's adamant that it's not her. Someone else is, you know, dealing with a divorce and then they're going paintballing and it's interesting. Oh. Yeah. Um, oh, there's a, a beautiful piece of journalism on Pedestrian at the moment, just like an article about the most batshit storylines on Neighbours over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've helped me here. They've pointed out that there's characters called Toadfish, Stonefish, Stingray and Tadpole. To yep. be fair, these are all nicknames of like a bunch of cousins. Yeah. But Toadie that is insane. Is Toadie like, is still on there. He's like he's, the longest. Yeah. Yeah. He's iconic. He can't, he mm. won't leave until the very end. Yeah. He was in the episode that I watched today. Um, at one point there's a, to- there's a tornado. Um, an adult woman called Susan gets amnesia and thinks she's 16 again. <laughs> Cheryl Stark is kidnapped by Ecuadorian rebels. Oh yeah, they are, um, they and, always are just going around the suburbs of Melbourne stealing women. Yeah, well then it's revealed that she had an affair with one of them. Blah blah blah, whole thing. Classic. Um, someone becomes a nun, but only for a little bit. <laughs> Toadie's wedding explodes. Like, well, there's a gas bottle that explodes. Two characters die. Oh, Someone's in a yes. coma. I remember that. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this one really made me laugh how they'd written it. Susan miscarries her daughter's surrogate baby and her son-in-law doesn't realise because he's listening to his iPod. Oh. Mm. That was a plot. Deep and realism. The, the final one, Delta Goodrum's Born to Try, is literally released within a plot. Yeah, so for anyone who is who doesn't know, Delta Goodrum... Huge she was only 17 at the time yeah and born to try was a huge hit um mm-hmm. as were some of her other singles afterwards and she was in neighbors so the fact that they released her single mid-show and then all of australia was like excellent number one on the australian charts for weeks yeah so i think because her character wrote it 
in the show. Yeah, classic. Yeah. Because um, I looked it up as well because she had like a deal with Sony's when she was like 15. So I'm pretty sure that her being on Neighbours was just partly to launch mm, potentially an album. And boy, did it work. There were a few that did that. Um, Stephanie, mm. what's her name? Like there were a few that kind of, yeah, had yeah. record deals and then were on Neighbours. And then all of a sudden you'd turn on Rage and it was like the biggest song of mm. <laughs> that Natalie month Natalie and Yes. Natalie Imbruglia was on it. Holly Valance. Natalie Bassingthwaite. That's such a hard last name Uh to say. Bassingthwaite. Yeah. Delta, obviously. And then other famous people who have been on it, other than Kylie and Jason Donovan, Russell Crowe, Margot Robbie, the beautiful Guy Pearce and Liam Hemsworth. And there's a couple of others. But, yeah, people were on it. Stephanie McIntosh was the one I was thinking of. Okay. I don't know. She had one big single um and she was on neighbors and they launched this yeah that was another one during my grade six obsession interesting yeah i hope she's doing well (laughs) do you remember the song um i'm not gonna make another mistake like you that song oh maybe that was her that was a neighbors song do you remember any more of it no but i have it here on spotify Wow. Okay, Maddie has just played me an excerpt of that song. What's it called? Uh, Mistake by, oh my God, I've already forgotten her name, (laughs) Stephanie McIntosh. And I had the poster up in my cupboard, which was also where my secret little TV was, where I watched Neighbours. It has awoken some teen feelings in me. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that song. I don't know why. Well, Did your parents know you had a little TV in your cupboard? Yeah, it wasn't a secret yeah. TV. Mm. Um, like, I think it was my nan's old TV and I ended up with it. But mm. I would watch Neighbours and The Simpsons, both of which were not encouraged. I was allowed yeah. to watch The Simpsons when I turned 12 and I watched mm-hmm. it the day I turned 12. And my father said, just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> And I still remember that. And I was like, but oh, if bliss. you're, you're going to put a rule on this and say, like, when you're 12, you can watch The Simpsons, of course you're going to watch it. <laughs> You've made it this enticing, mysterious thing. Um, so, yeah. Mm. Special times for me. <laughs> That's so beautiful. All right. Well, I think maybe we'll, we'll, we'll throw now to Maddie's little interview in the field. Yeah. With Todd. Well, welcome to the, the show today, Todd. Um, do you want to explain to us, you know, how you would describe your job and your career and what you do these days? Sure. These days? Nowadays? Um, yeah, these days. Yeah. Well, nowadays I, I, um, I'm currently um, the performing arts programmer out at the Kingston Butterfield Factory Cultural Precinct in Logan, which is a brand new cultural precinct that's about to open down there, which is Super fantastic. Super exciting. Yep. And that was um, that. I started that just after I finished six years working as artistic director at La Boite Theatre Company, and uh, I'm also a practicing artist. I have a, 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 I still act and I still direct and I still do voiceovers. So that's kind of me in a very small nutshell. Yeah, awesome. And you were on Neighbours, I believe. Was it? 1993 to 98 and then 2004 to 2008 is that right uh, not that long it was um 97 and 98 97 so two years there and then back for um yeah a short stint in 2005 
Yeah, right. The okay. small the one somewhere must, else. must be lying to us. Though. The internet might be lying. I wasn't on it for that long. I was on there for two years playing Darren Stark. Darren Stark, yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, you know, what it was like being on the show back then? Oh, I see where your dates came from, though, because before I played the role of Darren Stark, Scott Major played oh, the role of Darren Stark. So Darren was on for those years. Yes, that would have been correct. And uh, I think Scott was there for a few years and then he... Uh, in the storylines that he had, uh, I think he robbed a service station Naturally. and went to prison. And then a few years later, they brought the character back again as a, a me. Amazing. Uh, literally a changed man. <laughs> <laughs> a reformed man. <laughs> uh, completely physically changed. In fact, yeah. a, new, a new human being playing the same role, which is yeah. one of the wonderful qualities that Neighbours uh, can afford you. And um, some other soap operas have done that as well over the, yeah. over the years. But, yeah, um, yeah it's, quite, it's quite fantastic how resilient it is to be able to bring back a character that people like and just put a different actor in the role and people are like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, that's okay. Anyway, moving we on. We accept it. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah. And what was that like? Like, you know, how old were you then and how early were you in your career? Oh, look, I was, and you ask anyone in the team who was who was there when I first started, I was sort of fresh out of NIDA. I was a year and a, year and a bit out of NIDA. So I was a young actor, recently graduated from my very serious classical mm. acting training. And um, I probably took myself a little bit too seriously, but I was keen to do anything and everything. So uh, an opportunity to work a long contract on a on serial television was certainly one that I was up for. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I was, you know, I was there to work. I was there to, you know, do the best possible work I could. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, and I say that laughingly because uh it, it's it's a unique work it's it's day in day out it's um yeah, block yeah. after block and it's it's not like anything else that you can often have except say maybe a long-running musical i would imagine um but long-term sort of serial drama or television drama or comedy or whatever it is you know afford you that thing where you are working every day and you're being and sort of inhabiting this role so once yeah. you get to know that and you're in your rhythm then you're in your rhythm it doesn't stop you from doing good work or wanting to sort of improve but certainly say the first three months i spent on the show was very much me trying to pull in extra rehearsals with you know kim valentine who was playing libby um <laughs> and try, let's do some extra rehearsal and try and make the best scene we can out of this um out of the material we've got and it was pretty funny and it was it, look some people came on the journey with me which was great and other yeah. people looked at me and went dude <laughs> chill out <laughs> work in nine relax. to five babe <laughs> yeah a little bit a little bit so and that's good yeah just on that note you know like I think what maybe some people don't realise is that these shows in Australia, Neighbours in particular, like you said, it affords people a living wage and there are people who've worked on that show for years and years and years. And I, I think, you know, like we know about some of the actors who's worked on the show for years, but I'm sure that you could speak of, you know, like some of the crew and the writers and the directors having been there yeah. for a long time and it's kind of this... Yeah, institute, it, you know, it's it's everything. It's a um, it's a space where people can work long term and have a career. So you know, if, I think yeah. of the Alan Fletchers and a few of the other sort of characters in that household, the Kennedy household, who have been there from 
you know, for a very, they had already been there a long time when I started and they, and Alan and I uh, are still there. So, you know, you can afford that. It's also a training ground for crew and for young actors to come through and for guest actors and, um, you know, for people doing, um, you know, bit parts and 50 liners and, you know, most people in Melbourne who sort of grew up in their acting career at some point um, will have come across Neighbours to do a guest role here or there, you know, and the same with Blue Healers and a few other shows that were around where you could just sort of cut your teeth. So it's definitely a training ground, definitely a space for a sustained career for the lucky few who are on there as long-term characters, um, plus an opportunity, obviously, for writers and directors to to just get that um, daily grind going. And I know a lot of writers who sort of went through that process of, of using the script development processes there and just, you know, writing for Neighbours as a, as a challenging but rewarding thing to do and just to, you know, make some money and, and pay the bills, you know, yeah. there's that. Yep. Plus it's a, a unique form and it does take certain skills to be able to pull it off well. Um, certainly when it comes to directing, you know, you, you sort of see the directors who you really loved working with, um, who were able to sort of keep an energy up on set and keep, you know, keep interesting choices alive. And then you see different technical directors and different acting directors, people who've got different strengths um, working, who have come up through different sort of backgrounds. So some people come from a technical background or a camera background and other people come through from a performance-based background. And that's um, that was always enjoyable to sort of see that. And there was a, there was a short period actually where I had, negotiated with them to to look at doing some directing um which never came to fruition because i started a venue in melbourne and and kept more in a theater space so um yeah yeah that was one of the things i was very keen to do was to do a um directing sort of and i know scott um scott major did 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 do that actually yeah Um, he went down the directing path with the and that's just starts you out you know it gets you in front of a a real live crew making 22 minutes of television a day it's um it's a pretty exceptional thing yeah yeah I think yeah doing that every single day means that you really work those muscles and so depending on you know whether you stay in a show like Neighbours for the rest of your life or you go elsewhere obviously like you said that training ground is so vital and just off the back of that so you know like Neighbours is um in the news at the moment because it looks like it's going to be pulled from tv in the UK which is a huge export of the show Mm. And I guess people are a little bit concerned, you know, what might happen industry-wise if we lose a show like this. You know, do you think there's something that can replace the jobs that exist in this kind of space or or are we going to see a bit of an impact in the industry? I think we'll see an impact. I think uh, I think it's not a great climate at the moment around regulation of Australian content on any platforms. Yeah. Um, especially the streaming platforms that come in and it's highly unregulated about what they are required to deliver of Australian product. It's very low. I, my understanding is it's, you know, 5% or less. And, yeah, um, yes, that needs, which is different that, to other countries that have absolutely. a much higher yeah. percentage. Yeah. And so the environment is not um, uh, positively supporting uh, the construction of a new work that could replace Neighbours. Obviously, Home and Away is still running. So there's some existing stuff and there is some, you know, uh, shorter, punchier dramas that are going on. And there is some Netflix and a few other streaming platforms producing work in Australia. But I think if it's if it's nothing else, it should be a, a big call out, an alarm bell 
and I know a lot of work is already going on with the union advocating to government to make sure that we get quotas for Australian content yes, built yeah. into any of these massive, massive deals. Like Australia is one of the biggest consumers of streaming networks. Yeah. It's, it's extraordinary how much. We watch it, a lot know, of TV here. Oh, my God. Considering <laughs> the size of the country and the, the amount yes. there, it is huge. And I don't see why we wouldn't create a situation where uh, our stories aren't being, t- uh, you know, are also being supported and uh, allows a sort of platform for something like a neighbours or whatever it needs to be. Whatever nowadays. it is, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 a it's a very frightening moment where you go, oh, we could really lose. Um, whether you love the show or hate the show or whatever, it's still something that, uh, when missing, it, it it will leave a huge hole. Yeah. I'm just gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit for our last couple of minutes. Sure. Is there one moment? from your time on the show that stands out as some kind of crazy highlight, either for being a really positive thing or just a really weird or wild thing that happened? Look, it was full of, um, uh, you know, the first three months, like I said, very much me trying to work super hard and... Yeah, use um, your NIDA training. Oh, my God, you know, and make the best out of what I had and you know, do better and blah, blah, blah. And I remember a moment at the pigeonholes where uh, my now very good friend, Benji McNair, was standing there. He played Mel Kennard, um, who was the, you know, brother of the love interest of the character, Darren, who was seeing Libby uh, Kennedy. And um, and I was, you know, it was only weeks into it, I reckon. And <laughs> I was at the pigeonholes where we get all of our schedules and stuff. And and Benj was like super positive dude. Like he's a loveliest human being yeah. and still a very dear friend. And he was like, so how you going, mate? Are you, you know, how's, how's it all going? You know? And it, he asked me some question. I said, look, I'm just, you know, I'm not, I'm not, oh, oh no. He said, are you, how are you going? Are you meeting everyone? Are you getting to know everyone? And I think I said something in the complete naivety of um, <laughs> uh, my absolute arrogance and wankery at that time. And I said, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to do the work oh, or no. something. And I remember the look on his face and he never let me live that down. And we became very close mates <laughs> after that. And, but it was a very good moment of, of um, humility for me to be reminded of, of not being yes. such a dick, yes. basically. Which some of us do. We come out of art school and, you know, you were actually around when I was a fresh baby in that time and I'm sure mm. I said some dickhead things as well. But it's, yeah. it's, it's those yeah. of us who learn better. <laughs> well, that's right. And, and yeah. you have to have those moments too and there's nothing wrong with taking your work seriously and there's nothing wrong with going through a process of – I mean, after three months of working on, the, on it, you're like, oh, okay, I think I've, yeah. I've, I've you know, pushed Settled and pulled in. as much as I can – um, honestly, working with Jackie Woodburn and, and 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 Alan Fletcher, Jackie was one of the most extraordinary actors I've ever worked with. Yeah. She was so in the moment, so present as a performer, and was able to pull that out day in, day out. Like, yeah, that's remarkable. Amazing. She yeah. was amazing to work with. Absolute highlight was working with her during the show, and obviously, um, you know, Kim and Alan and everyone else are in the team as well. Like we were, so, I was sort of just growing up. Really, I was in my early twenties, twenty five, twenty four. Um, so, you know, it was, it was just exploring what it meant to be an actor and then exploring, you know, what it means to be in that celebrity space as well, which was yeah, quite uh, yeah. challenging and confronting space to be in. It was, you know, super wonderful for your ego, but being recognized on the street and in nightclubs, um, 
and all of that stuff. I, um, just to round off the Benji McNair's chats with Mal, um, in 98, 99, I went traveling with my partner at the time and we went over to the UK and I had you know worked up a couple of gigs in, in London and uh, Ireland and Scotland just doing some appearance work um, because Neighbours was so popular over there. Yeah, of I didn't course, have a passport, yeah. so I couldn't work. I didn't have a... Um, you know, dual citizenship or anything. So I couldn't actually get any work. They were very strict about that. But um, uh, we went over there and I could do some appearance stuff and it was, you know, it was pretty sort of pretty common thing to do. And um, yeah. we, we were there and we were looking for a vehicle. So I went and bought a, a, a combi, basically. It was like a <laughs> 85 transporter. And Benji McNair is an old hippie from way back. So he was helping me um, look for vehicles. And over there, when you buy it, you have to go and get it basically roadworthy and, uh, before you can take it out. So we walked into a place that does roadworthies, ben, Benji, McNair and I together, uh, oh you know, in gosh. our backpacking gear. Yeah. And this little old Greek guy stood up and looked at both of us, just froze for a second and went, Mal, Darren, come in. <laughs> they couldn't believe that. He obviously like a massive, massive fan of the show, but and he couldn't believe it. His eyes popped out of his head <laughs> and he found me the best vehicle, like this fantastic transporter that took me all through Eastern Europe um, and never skipped a beat and, oh. and um, yeah, did a beautiful so job on the motor. and Neighbours, the gift that keeps on yeah, giving. kept on giving. But that was also <laughs> a lovely moment with, um, uh, with Benj, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. I always... <laughs> I always love hearing these stories, you know, like you you think you know what a show like Neighbours is like and then you hear all these, you know, just heartwarming stories from behind the scenes. So thank you for joining us. Um, do you want to give us a little shout out as to some of the stuff that you're doing in Logan at the moment for some of our listeners yeah. who are in the Logan, Brisbane area? If you are in uh, southeast Queensland, um, due to this unprecedented weather event, we have actually had to postpone our first big produced sort of outdoor event called Eats and Beats um, at Kingston Butter Factory Cultural Precinct will now take place on the 18th of March um, and hopefully you've got some time to still book for it. Hopefully it hasn't sold out but um, that's 30 food trucks in our precinct, um, Zeke Power in his band, the Pulse Orchestra from the University of Queensland, uh, a fantastic local band called Machine Age um, and a headlining with um, Dami Im, which will be oh, super amazing. Yeah. Eats and Beats in March. Eats and Beats, yeah. Great. So get along there and then we've, you can just get on their website at loganarts.com.au and check out all of the incredible um, new arts uh, stuff that's coming out of Logan, basically, in uh, all of our venues at LEC and at KBF and the Gallery and Mace Cottage. So there's, there's heaps of stuff going on in that precinct and it's an incredible city, an incredible amount of talent in that city. So... I'm very, very privileged to be working with that community and, yeah, super excited for the future. Awesome. I am definitely going to check it out. Thanks, Todd. No worries. Talk to you soon. Todd talks about how, you know, that Neighbours is has been like a real, like, training ground and if it goes away, like, what then and what's the thing that would replace it? And hopefully they – I mean, it would be great, obviously, if there just was more Australian – yeah. Shows. So we've seen a huge shift in Australian broadcasting where 
Channel 10 and 7 in particular, but also Channel 9, the, a lot of the Australian-made content is now reality TV. So, mm. you know, Survivor has made a huge comeback. The Amazing Race has made a huge comeback. MasterChef is really big. Married at First Sight is really big. Um, all of the Bachelor franchises have made mm. a huge comeback. And these are the show's primary viewerships. Like, uh, sorry, the channel's primary viewerships. So they keep making more reality TV because the only time that a lot of people in our age bracket, that kind of, you know, 20 to 35 age bracket watch broadcast television right now is for these reality TV shows. So it's hard because with streaming services, the role of broadcast television has changed drastically in Australia. And Mm. we kind of need the void to be so that Australian content can continue being made um, either on streaming services or on places like the ABC and SBS, which, to their credit, have had streaming services even before Netflix did. Mm. Um, yeah, so I don't know what the answer is other than something, something's got to happen unless, you know, we're just not going to see the same quantity and calibre of Australian actors and writers and directors anymore. Yeah, and also there's the, like, yes, it is like, uh, I guess it is a loss to lose neighbours, but also I do think it had come to the end of its life. Yeah. In my my mind. Um, and just there were a lot of reports last year where um, heaps of that, like, actors um, of colour came forward with yes. stories of, of racism that they experienced in the workplace and also of homophobia, where there's, like, slurs from other castmates and discriminatory working hours and pay discrepancies um and i mean there's a bunch of articles about it on the abc and the guardian i won't go into the specifics of it here um mostly there's just the the things that occurred are not things that i can say yeah better to to read have a read yeah yeah um and the Fremantle did say, you know, they're implementing a cultural review, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then this is, that was the last time Neighbours was in the news and before now when it's been cancelled. Yeah. Um, so it's like, will any of those changes be implemented for like future productions at Fremantle? Like, are they going to be culturally safe places to work? Um, yeah. And I they, think that has they to, have to if, be. That has to happen. It has to be the change. Yeah. Um. Because, yeah, it's pretty pretty awful. Yeah. And even alongside that, just creatively, you know, as a product, it's kind of reaching its end as well. And that's not to say, you know, that's not to kind of judge its quality or anything like that. Mm, no. We just tell stories differently now. And people, the way in which we engage in television is very different. Like a lot of people don't actually live a life where they can turn the TV on at 6 or 6.30 or 7 p.m. every single night to watch the same show. Like, we just don't engage in media that same way. And so that, alongside the cultural changes, and, you know, the show has had a history of representing particular demographics, and the demographics are either changing or just being better represented in media. Like, it does Mm. feel like it yeah, that maybe it is time to close the chapter um, and celebrate the good things, but acknowledge the learnings along the way. 
as well. Yeah, and I mean they have they have learnt along the way. The first same sex marriage on Australian TV show was on Neighbours. Yeah, like after it was legalized in 2018, and Magda Zuzbanski appeared as the celebrant. Yeah, which is, which is awesome. Yeah, um, and at the moment, and well, since 2019, they've had a trans character who's played by Georgie Stone, who's a, a trans performer, um, and. In 2014, Maine Wyatt was the first Aboriginal actor to become a main cast member. Yeah. 2014 is pretty late in the run. Yeah. Um, and also he is one of the people who's come forward um, about his experience of racism and homophobia on the set. Yeah. In the wake of like, quite a, a big group of performers coming forward about their experiences on the set, like they have, they had committed to change like in the last year. Um, so I think it's just that change has to happen just across everything. Yeah. Um, it's 2022, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully when they, they say they're going to implement cultural change, they mean across all of Channel 10. Yeah, yeah, and it's not just this isolated um, scenario because one group of people spoke out about one show, you know? Yeah. Sometimes it's very easy to have a scapegoat. Um, and mm. go, well, it's only on that production when actually... Yeah, and know, that production's it, gone now, so... Yeah, and, you know, even though there are different production companies working within Channel 10, ultimately the buck stops with the broadcaster who are producers as well and should be across these things and should have standards in place. Yeah, um, to protect their employees. Yeah, and mm. to represent audiences properly as well. Yeah. That's when good neighbours become good friends. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, so there's there's good to neighbours um, and there's bad. Like, it's been going for 37 years in Australia. Like, it's, it's not surprising to me that that's the case. Um, yeah. And for many people, it is something that they love or, like, they watched for, as you said, like, six months when they were, like... 10 or a teenager because mm-hmm. um, talking to people over the past like two weeks when I've been like okay I'm doing a thing about neighbors did you ever watch it a lot of people just like yeah there was a bit in school where like everyone was watching it yeah <laughs> and like some people if they had you know a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or someone who always watched it there, there would have been a time in their lives where that but it's either neighbors or home and away and so it feels like although it's still running it, f- it really does feel like an artifact yeah, it does. Of most people's, like, 90s childhood. Yeah. Which is why I think a lot of the people who are upset about it being cancelled, it is because of that, like, nostalgia. And it's not even necessarily people who still watch it. No, no, That are upset it's that it's being cancelled. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's the loss of the institution, not of the actual product, I think. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Did I tell you about the episode that I watched today? I did. They just leave me. They leave me so yes. quickly. Yes. Yeah, you did. That's the one where... Uh, fuck, I can't even remember. Paintball. Fires yes. in mailbox. Someone's paintball, been held at gunpoint. Paintball, divorce, fires. Yes, you did. Yeah. Great. <laughs> well, that's it. Um, my sources for this were, you know, the 10 Network, Pedestrian, The Guardian, the ABC and Wikipedia. So next episode in a fortnight from now, I will be doing um, a deep dive, a thorough investigation, a profile, if you will, of Australia's only Bond actor, George Lazenby. 
Hey, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, mm-hmm. including on the ground reportage from Jess and I when we visited some of the film location sites about five years ago. Oh my god, <laughs> did we did we film ourselves or something? Um, I, I there are things that I may or may notes? not include. Yeah, we've t- amazing. Yes. Oh, I, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, so we're going into the Australianorama archives from 2018. That's right, 2018, oh, to get so you great. some on the ground, um, at least imagery. So, Because mm. what I, re- I only I really remember bits of his tale and I remember being particularly cooked. Bizarre. Yeah, mm. absolutely bizarre. I have two stuff. words for you that I will leave you with. Mm-hmm. Rotating restaurant. Okay. I'll hold those with me for two weeks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Follow us on Instagram, Australianorama. You can send us an email to australianorama at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. And I promise we will be getting on TikTok yeah, we've, we've got flooding. a lot on. Yeah, we've been you know. flooding, guys. We'll get there. Give me it. I'm like, give I'm turning fortnight. 30, which is not that old, but I feel old when I try and engage <laughs> with TikTok. Like, I'm, I'm really trying. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We'll get there. Bye. Bye.